0: is up everybody and how's it going? I'm Alex Goldstick and you are listening to the Spring Forward podcast. You don't need me to tell you that the world has been turned on its head since we last spoke. What was a faint news story while the Spring League was in Las Vegas last month is now the only thing in the world that matters. Thankfully, the Spring League in Las Vegas was able to be completed just before the first states began to go into lockdown, but the world of sports and the world as a whole will seemingly be in this state for some time to come. That being said, one of the Spring League's quarterbacks from the Spring League Showcase Atlanta 2019 and the game against Japan and Las Vegas this year is working on the front lines of this pandemic in his hometown of New Orleans. Of course, we will mostly talk about football with quarterback James Tabbery, but we wanted to make sure to especially highlight the brave work that he is doing on a daily basis while continuing to train and achieve his pro football dreams. Let's head to our interview with James, recorded on Easter Sunday. James Tabury is a quarterback from New Orleans. He first attended Arkansas State and then transferred to McNeese State at home in Louisiana. After graduating, Tabury got to spend time with the Saints. He's a three-time Spring League alum, including being one of two quarterbacks on the Spring League roster for the game against Japan in Dallas last month. James, welcome to the podcast and Happy Easter. What's up,
1: Alex? Yeah, happy Easter, my man. I'm glad to be on the podcast.
0: So, uh, as I, as I just explained, I, we, we usually do this chronologically in your football life, but um, you you are in the unique position, while well, we're all in this unique position of quarantine, of being uh, on the front lines of coronavirus. So, I'm in New York, but you're in New Orleans, which has been talked about almost equally as, as a hotspot for all this. So, tell us what you've been doing on the front lines uh, of this virus, and I know you've been working in a hospital.
1: So, I'm in charge of uh, PPE, personal protective equipment. What basically I do is I I take inventory of gloves, any type of mask, gowns, um, I mean, literally any type of equipment that nurses and doctors need to go in and and help provide help for the patients that have COVID-19. So basically, I'm running up to every unit of the nursing and doctor stations throughout the hospital all day or all night depending on what shift I'm working, but, um, running up masks and gowns constantly all day and all night. So just making sure that they have the proper equipment to, you know, get the job done and, and help calm this virus down.
0: And as a football player at, you know, the highest levels of football, how do you get involved in, in working in a hospital, especially during this, this crazy time?
1: Uh, well, my dad, he's an architect and, um, uh, he's actually, a independent contractor for a few hospitals out here and i've worked with them in the past just you know waiting for an opportunity with football and so i mean instead of just you know sitting on my butt at home and not being part of the problem at least trying to be part of the solution and working in the hospital and so uh he asked if i wanted to be on board and i was like absolutely um anything to help uh, a pandemic And, and this is something i can tell my grandchildren And also my kids. And I think it's a life changing experience and it's definitely eye opening. But just the main thing is just wanting to help others and and stop this, man. This is the craziest thing I've probably ever experienced and probably for most people in their lives. um, I mean, I'm still young. I haven't gone through a depression or a war or any of that. So this is definitely one of the biggest milestones of my life that's been life changing. And it's just even crazier that I have to work on the front lines to help stop this thing.
0: And, you know, let's hope that this is the the craziest thing that, that any of us have to deal with, especially young people. Um, you know, I, I don't want to count, count our chickens or, you know, it feels weird to say so far, so good, but so far you're, you're healthy and, and able to continue going to work and train for, on top yeah. of all that. Yeah. Um,
1: So I got two jobs now. Um, We're we're starting to meet back at my alma mater at Holy Cross, the co-offensive coordinator. And then I have work, 10-hour shifts at the hospital, and I'm also training four days a week, three hours a day. So it's definitely a, a hectic schedule. So, beauty sleep is definitely a necessity at the times I can get it.
0: Yeah, well, a hectic schedule while, while most people are stuck at home uh, has to be a good thing. Let's, let's, yeah. let's, let's transfer to a, to a happier topic and, and what we're really here to talk about, which is football. Take me back to your earliest football memory. What, what made you, you know, fall in love with a game? You're, you're from a hotbed of football in Louisiana. Um, does that have anything to do with it? Take us back to the beginning.
1: I started off when I was four years old. My dad actually forced me to play football. My dad, he's a, I don't think any of you have met my dad, but uh, he's a crazy Marine and uh, he stuck me with the six and seven year olds at four years old. And I at first did not like it. My, uh, my first week of practice, we went to go do a one-on-one hit and drill kind of like an Oklahoma drill, but it was just one-on-one and all the kids were lined up on the sideline. Well, I go to tackle somebody and someone trips me and I break my finger like in half. And I told my dad I did not want to play anymore. And he basically told me I'm going to get my behind out there and you're going to go back in and play regardless of what's wrong. (laughs) So ever since then, I just toughened up and I've just fell in love with the game. And I didn't even start playing quarterback until eighth grade. So I never really truly – fell in love with the game at that young of an age until I got into the position of playing quarterback. But it was more of just the hitting and the contact and, and just being out there with all your friends is, is what really got me to fall in love with the game at such a young
0: age. Well, I was going to say, the upside of playing quarterback is no Oklahoma drills anymore for you, but uh, you seem to, oh, you seem yeah, to like no. the hitting. <laughs>
1: yeah. But no, I didn't. I It, it took me a second to, to like it after that one incident, but uh, after that, man, uh, it's... It's only been up from there, so it's it's definitely started off at an early age, and I'm glad it did because my IQ of the game has grown so much and just gotten to know so many people through this sport. It's just incredible.
0: Now, as we said, of course, you're from the Hoppet of football of Louisiana. I was reading that... Uh, Uh, during a workout for Odell and Jarvis Landry. I don't know if it was their pro day, but they had Aaron Murray lined up to throw, and and he obviously tore his ACL at Georgia uh, in his senior year, and you stepped in. (laughs) Tell us about that and, and what that workout was.
1: So I threw, all right, so I actually threw to Jarvis on a separate, I threw to him twice. So I threw Jarvis when I was a senior in high school in Pensacola when Aaron had tore his ACL. I was with Aaron and Aaron could only throw from a knee, and Coach Buddy Geis had called me. He used to be the OC and the quarterback coach for the Dallas Cowboys for Troy Aikman was there, and he called me up, and he asked me if I wanted to throw because Aaron couldn't stand up on his feet. So that was one time I had thrown to Jarvis, and that was pretty cool. And then um, I also trained with Jarvis and Odell for an entire year when they were getting ready for their pro day. And so just getting to know those guys. And, I mean, they've always been, like, hometown heroes. So everybody knows who they are. And, I mean, they knew who I was, too, after a few days of training with me. But uh, it was a great experience. And, I mean, now we're lifetime boys. When I went up to Pensacola, I stayed with Jarvis for three days. And then Odell, whenever he's back home and I see him out, I, I mean, he doesn't try to, you know, big time. He, he comes and says what's up and how everything was going and how's the family. So both nice. great and amazing athletes and even better humans.
0: Well, it's it's certainly a good thing for a quarterback to have those guys in in their phone books. Um, yeah. I believe at the point you were throwing to them in the pro days you were talking about, you were a Arkansas State recruit. Um, so t- tell us about your your high school recruitment and and how you ended up picking Arkansas State.
1: High school recruitment was was probably one of the wildest things I've ever experienced. Um, before I got onto the field, as uh, let's see, it was a sol- my end of my sophomore year. There was two games left. That's when I first b- became a the starter. There was already 106 commits to colleges in my class by that time by the end of my sophomore career. So it was kind of, um, you know, a race to grab a, just a Division one offer just in general. And, and I didn't get an offer until the end of my junior year. And, and by then, basically, everybody was filled up. So it was kind of like hoping for a prayer for somebody to decommit. And um, that summer of my junior year going into my senior year, me and my mom, we, um, we traveled to 25 different camps. And only three of them were in uh Louisiana, so we went to Maryland, Virginia, Arizona to Florida. I mean we literally traveled from coast to coast and um it, it was a uh, one of the greatest experiences I've ever had, and I've learned so much through all that because you know recruiting's a game recruiting's also a lie as well for most people um you know, you, you, you go to these camps and you shine and, and you know you're the best one there, even though they have their own guy there that they brought in that they have offered already. And they just feed you a bunch of crap sometimes. And it's and it just got aggravating at times. But at the same time, you get to you really get to fully understand the recruitment process and how it works. And uh, but I, I, I had an absolute blast. My mom traveled with me everywhere. Um, literally Maryland like I said Maryland Virginia Arizona State Notre Dame um, LSU Alabama Auburn I mean literally everywhere and then coming into my senior year I finally well like I said at the end of my junior year I got an offer from southeastern Louisiana and then finally in the beginning of my senior year I got an offer from Arkansas State well that was my first like big time division one Offer. So I took it right away. I love the coach and staff. Coach Harson was there. He's now the head coach at Boise State. And then the offensive coordinator, who is now the head coach at um, Missouri, Coach Drinkwich, uh, he recruited me at Arkansas State as well. So, I mean, I came, it, I was getting recruited by a great group of coaches who, kn- who knew what they were doing. So I bought in, I, I committed right away, and I was in like September. Well, two weeks before signing day, I never got another offer. East Carolina came to see me at a few games against Leonard Fournette. That was the one that they came to. And um, I I had my best career game. I had three touchdowns with like 350 yards against the number one recruit in the entire nation. So, I mean, that was – and they came to see me on that, and they still didn't offer me. So, I really had a dead mindset on Arkansas State. And two weeks before signing day, ECU wants to – pulled the trigger and so I was like um all right well and it was Lincoln Riley at the time who was the offensive coordinator and so I was like uh I mean it would be amazing to play for you and stuff but why didn't you guys offer me you know such such back then I mean their excuse was uh we had another guy I was like all right well then if I wasn't your first guy then we I'm, I need to find somebody else that I was their first intention, basically. I wasn't a fallback plan. And so, Arkansas State it was. I stayed loyal. I stayed true blue, and and I rolled with Arkansas State. And even though that they had a coaching change, um, Coach Harson and them left, I want to say it was in November of that year. And, um, yeah, it was like November or December. And Coach Bell who now is the head coach at UMass, him and Coach uh, Anderson, who's still the head coach at Arkansas State, they both called me and wanted to tell me I was the first person they've called off of the recruiting board and that uh, they just wanted to make sure I was still committed.
0: Well, if you only had the ability then to fast forward, you know, five, six years and see where all these coaches ended up, <laughs> it, oh, the, the world of football is insane.
1: It is. Just, just what four to five years could do to your career is insane i mean literally only one of them is still at arkansas state and that's the head coach coach anderson he and i didn't think he was ever going to stay there that long because we had five coaching changes in five years before i got there so i thought just the cycle was going to continue after a couple years you know and uh but yeah things kind of like changed for the turn of events after a couple years and um yeah found a even better home at mcneese and, and i also got to come home into the state of louisiana and and play some good louisiana football man i mean it doesn't get too much better than that
0: well exactly and so you 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 hit the ground running at mcneese i think you spent a year at arkansas state and and then well, decided I, to yeah, come home. so i
1: spent two years at arkansas state i redshirted there and then my uh, redshirt freshman year i played in eight games
0: as a freshman and then mcneese and then, you had a you had a records a record-setting first year as a starter
1: oh yeah yeah Yeah, I actually did not want to sit out. And so I decided, hey, uh, my grandparents don't really get to see me much. I get to be at home in Louisiana and I get to go to a great winning program in the FCS who has a lot of history of, um, you know, making runs in the playoffs and and giving guys opportunity at the next level. So that was something I was definitely looking for. And I didn't want to sit out and You know, the rules change now. You don't have to sit out, basically, if if you have a coach and change. And Coach Bell had left that offensive coordinator at Arkansas State. So I was, you know, my mindset was like, all right, well, I need to leave as well. And I did. And the rest is history at McNeese, man. Um, Yeah, record-setting first year. um, Probably one of the best years of my entire life. Uh, It was an absolute blast. Even though we went 6-5. and we were still number eight in the entire country on offense. So, I mean, even though it wasn't the best winning season, it was still fun being out there swinging the rock around four to five hundred times that season.
0: Well, and in your time at McNeese, you, you clearly gained enough of a reputation to get uh, a call from the Saints after you graduated. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I don't want to make assumptions, but I assume you're a Saints fan. Yeah. <laughs> um, how does I that... am,
1: I am. I always <laughs> represent the home team, man. Um, I'm actually a Colts fan as well. I, I was a huge Pate Manning fan growing up and also an Andrew Luck fan when he took over. And, um, I mean, now we're, we, we just, I don't know what we're going to do with Phillip Rivers. But uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting. I'm not the biggest Phillip Rivers fan, but uh, if he can get the job done, then then so be it. And then we got uh, big Drew Brees coming back, the GOAT. So it's going to be a fun season. Hopefully, I I'm on the team and not watching. But uh, if I'm watching, man, I'm I'm always rooting for the Saints. So of course, and I great, think, I, I, think for, I think it's acceptable for
0: I think it's acceptable for native New Orleans Orleanians to uh to follow the Mannings. Um, oh, absolutely! But t- what's it like to to walk into you know, your hometown te- NFL team's facility and and play and be a professional football player? Get that taste.
1: It was – it took me a second to even, like, you know, really realize. What really hit me was – when it hit me that I was playing for the Saints was my first play call. Um, I got – so the coaches really didn't stand behind you. Everything kind of was from off the field, and you had to bring it into the huddle. The Saints' offense is very, very complex. Um, They say it's probably the hardest offense to learn in all of the NFL. And when I got my first play, I – screwed it up four times trying to pronounce the play into the huddle. And I was getting so frustrated in the O-line. I was like, man, just relax. You know, man, you got this. This is this is the NFL, man. You need to just take a deep breath and just just spit the words out. And the play was dang near like 13, 14 words long. It was um, green, strong, right, close, fake slash, 37, base, naked right, F slide, Z corner. There and that was my first play. And Sean Payton, every time I uh, – would mess it up he'd like go back go back so I was literally it was a kind of an embarrassing moment but at the same time it was like a a welcome to the NFL type of moment the hey room moment
0: (laughs) I believe that it was was a three-day rookie mini camp right how close you how close do you get to to the recognizable coaches and and players that that we all know uh, are part of the Saints organization
1: so uh, most of the players weren't there. I talked to Alvin Kamara for uh, about 10, 15 minutes before camp started. Um, but uh just being in the presence of the coaches, I know a few of them personally so um, I mean it's always a great atmosphere when you're around them and then Sean Payton, he always bring you know he brings this presence to him that I mean it's just, when he walks in a room, it's all eyes up and everyone shuts up. Like it's, it's almost as if Bill Belichick walks into the room. He just has that so much power and swagger and just respect from the entire program. So it was just incredible just to be under him and just listen to him talk and give tips. And I I mean, he's a, a very intellectual man and one of the best coaches in the entire league and if not the best play caller. So Um, it was an absolute blessing to, you know, get that experience under coach Payton, and then just learning from coach Carmichael and also coach Lombardi as well. And then, um, you know, I'm close with coach Carmichael off the field and also coach CJ Curtis Johnson, the receiver coach, his son, I've grew up with him and his son, uh, is my assistant trainer. So, you know, coach CJ's always stopping by training and stuff. And so we'll holler at him, but, uh, I know that, uh, Coach Carmichael told me right when I got released from the Saints, he, he told me, you know, other than playing whenever I'm done, if I ever want to coach, he said that to call him. He said I would make an absolutely amazing coach. So we've been staying in touch and I've also been staying in touch with Coach CJ. So and also they said if they ever if I ever needed a recommendation, like, you know, if a CFL team called and he said literally just shoot them my number and I, can, I will give you full recommendation. So. It, it was an amazing experience, and, and I'm just hoping for another opportunity. And if it's with them, that would be even better. Um, I, I would love to represent the hometown team more than anything.
0: Of course. And, and, and speaking of opportunities and staying in shape, that brings us to the Spring League. And so, uh, your first taste and uh, attendee at the Spring League was last year uh, in Atlanta. Uh, so tell yep. us how did you how did you find out about the spring league and decide to apply and then attend once you got accepted?
1: Um, really, I heard um, I found through a, found that through a friend, um, Nell. He he was a receiver for me in college at McNeese, and he had went to the one that was in I want to say California was the one before that in May,
0: mm-hmm. before
1: last September, mm-hmm. and uh, he said he loved it, great exposure. I saw the film. He got I was like, man, I need to you know, do some. It's been about four or five months since I've put on a helmet. And so um, just took the initiative, paid the money and, and went out there and had a blast. Met a quite a few great friends that I still keep in touch with and uh, got some great film. And, and also it, it led to other stuff. It, it led to a few CFL tryouts. It, it popped open some eyes in other places. So um, I, I absolutely enjoyed my time with the Spring League, especially in Atlanta. Um, you know, that was very very competitive because we were all basically there was eight quarterbacks and we all had to switch every single drive so you kind of had to make the best of what you had
0: well and, and you clearly stood out because fast forwarding fast forwarding to this year um you were one of two quarterbacks you know handpicked to to do something the spring league's never done before and that's play an external opponent and that was the japanese yeah. national team um, so you came in for another showcase type model in the Dallas area where you get, you know, four days of practice and then a game. How did Dallas differ for you, uh, from Atlanta? Obviously a much smaller camp, different opponent, uh, you know, maybe actually trying to win as opposed to get film. Um, right. Yeah, take a, take us through the, the Dallas versus Atlanta experience.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that was probably the best time I've had with the, the spring league. Um, you know, just. Prepping for a game again, man, it, it had been an, an entire year and a half almost already. And uh, it just felt good to get back into preparation and preparing for somebody and being competitive on the field and, you know, learning an entirely different offense. You know, Coach, um, coach Shea, Coach Terry Shea, my goodness. Yeah, absolutely legendary coach, an amazing human being. And, um, yeah, Coach Shea taught me a lot, especially uh, the new – not the new, but the West Coast, it was new to me, the West Coast digit offense, and um, just bringing more IQ into the game and into my mind, it it was, it was fun, man, and I had a blast playing with Zach, Um, you know, he's a Louisiana hero out here playing for LSU, everybody out here is a huge LSU fan, so it was cool being around him and, and learning from his intellectual thoughts, because he's been in the NFL for quite a, quite a bit of time, he's been a starter, so, you know, just, taking the initiative to learn from Zach as well, other than coach Shea, you know, I had a blast and then playing an opponent from an entirely different country. You know, I had no idea what to expect, but I knew that, you know, I, I couldn't underestimate these guys because anybody could be great at a sport, no matter where you come from. So, and, and to be honest with you, I think a few people on the team definitely took them for granted because they came out and punched us in our mouth on the first two drives. So, um, but, you know, winning that game and just being able to experience and talk to some of the guys after, it, it was truly incredible.
0: Yeah, so as you mentioned, the Springley got off to a slow start, but, you know, ended up with a convincing win. Uh, I don't know if you took a look at the box score, but you were 13 for 19 for 117 yards, uh, a touchdown and a pick. Um, yep. I believe that touchdown was, was a bomb, a 30, 40 yard uh, a pass to, in the corner of the end zone. Uh, What do you remember? And that game took place in the Dallas Cowboys practice facility, which was, you know, immaculate and beautiful. What do you remember from your individual performance in that game?
1: I thought I did uh, really good. I I wish I had, you know, one or two deep balls back that I overthrew, maybe by like a hair. But uh, other than that, I I thought I did great. Um, Came in when we were struggling and and moved the chains and got the first three points on the board for us. That felt good. And every time I got in, um, we had long, long drives. I never got in when it was good playing field. And uh, so I just kind of worked with what I had and just trying to keep, I know we only had five O-linemen, so just trying to keep those guys confident all throughout the drive. I mean, whether it was a 10 to 12 play drive, those guys were dying. They played every snap without rotating. So, um, you know, just trying to keep those guys motivated in the huddle and telling the receivers, you know, hey, well, let's link up on this, this, and this that we've been working on at practice. So it was just fun, you know, just being out there and just feeling young and free again. Just nothing's better than just playing football, man. I swear it's
0: well, absolutely, it's and then-
1: absolutely escape from everything, and it really, it's a whole different reality when you're out there, and especially if you love the game, man. It's
0: just an absolute blast. Of course, and and as you mentioned, there there's always a shortage of O Lyman, even you know at, at the highest of the high pro level. So, uh, quick quick side note: if any O linemen are listening to this, uh, please hit up the spring league. Um, you went went right from Dallas to to the flagship event of the spring league calendar, which is La- the which is the Las Vegas camp this year, um, which yeah. got got uh, completed just in the t- just in time for Corona uh, before the whole sports world shut down. Um, <laughs> How, how is that? That's something that the spring League's never done before going right from one camp to another. Um, yeah but obviously the roster expanded like crazy you got uh, you got exposed to some other talent, some new receivers. Um, you and Zach both continued on to Las Vegas. Um, and now you know it's crazy to think we're only three or four weeks removed from that. Uh, the whole world has changed since then. But take us through Vegas and, and your memories of, of Vegas.
1: Vegas was fun. I've never been to Vegas. Could have got to see a few more views and stuff like that. You know, just got to see the monumental stuff around Vegas. But, uh, you know, we were pretty busy. I'm not going to lie. We had a full schedule. and um, But it was fun, man. I, I had a blast. I'm not going to lie. I was pretty exhausted from Dallas because um, that, that had been the first time I threw on pads and a helmet in a little while. So, Getting banged up on a on a sat what was it a Sunday or a Saturday yeah, and then Sunday, coming back yeah, and playing a game on that Wednesday well really two games it, it was a tough little tough on the body at first but uh I had a blast man I I got to see a few guys that I had met through at Atlanta and also I met a few people that um when I played it's called the Dream Bowl and I was coming out of college it was like the biggest FCS bowl. And uh, so it was good seeing a lot of people that I haven't seen in a while and and getting to uh, meet some new faces that came out the NFL and stuff. So, but uh, I had an absolute blast and, um, you know, even though (laughs) things ended shortly for me, um, still had a great time, met some new people and um, Coach Shea was out there again. So. The offense was obviously easy because I knew it, but um, you know, just being able to teach guys and stuff the new offense and and just trying to, you know, make relationships with people and also get film and and have a blast in front of all the scouts. So you can't complain about that.
0: Well, yeah, three three spring league camps in the course of eight months uh, could be a record, Um, but it certainly puts you on the short list uh, for MVP and way overdue to get on this podcast Um, before we. (laughs) Before we go, you mentioned that you're returning to your your alma mater, your high school, as as a passing game coordinator. Um, lots lots of ju- lots of uh, stuff to juggle on your personal schedule, your personal calendar. Um, but yeah, to, to, are are you excited to to join the coaching ranks and sort of dip your toes in those waters? Oh, absolutely, um,
1: man. If I'm on the if I'm on the football field, whether I'm in pads or coaching, I'm happy. I really am. Um, but I, there there's something about coaching that's just a little different you know you you talk to these well just coming from a background that I've I've come in just playing quarterback for a very long time and just getting so much knowledge of the game and playing at every single level you know kids really want to listen to you and, and if you can teach them the right knowledge on the field but also off the field on being a great human being in life as well it's just an absolute blast man just trying to mature these these kids into becoming young men both in the world and on the field as well it's just an absolute blast and then i get to be at home where you know i probably had the best years of my entire life throughout high school um my own team that i started for at holy cross we we were the winningest program in three years no in two years while i was a starter there we went 21 and six so um it's kind of been I guess you could say um, a hometown hero, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just excited to get back and, and you know, it's going to give me something to do in the meantime. So and my head coach, coach salt, he told me, he's like, well, you're a professional athlete and I want you to follow your dream as long as you can. If you have anything come up, you always have a coaching job here, go chase your dreams. So that's always great to hear as well. So if something does come up, I can always pack up and leave and go handle business. And then if, if it somehow doesn't work out, I'll always have an a opportunity back at home to coach at Holy Cross.
0: Well, that's an unbelievable uh, part of a job offer. If, if something better comes up, please take it. And, uh, you know, the, the sports world has obviously been one of the more affected industries uh, of this quarantine, of this coronavirus. So that we, we hope that your spring league film is still uh, fresh enough to get in front of uh, the right eyes when the sports world does open it back up because you certainly deserve it.
1: Um, Absolutely. Appreciate
0: it. Yeah. And and thank you for joining us and taking the time out of uh, your only day off of the week uh, to to chop it up.
1: Absolutely. My man, thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. It's been a blessing and um, you know, major shout out and props to the spring league. You know, y'all have been doing an amazing job both putting on the showcases and also just, you know, broadcasting media and and exposing you uh, yourselves. So, It's been an absolutely incredible experience with you guys, and it's been a blessing to be a part of it.
0: Well, I'm in right back at you, and uh, for sure, stay, stay safe out there on those front lines.
1: Absolutely, my man. You too.
0: All right. That will do it for this special episode of Spring Forward. It doesn't seem like enough just to say thank you to James, but it will have to do for now, and I hope you'll all join me in keeping his health and safety in our thoughts. You can follow the Spring League on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Spring League. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Alex Goldstick. All music was provided to the Spring Forward podcast by Joshua Rosner. Please stay safe and stay home. Later.